Well, you may have noticed that trust is in short supply these days. There's a research organization, and every year they put out a trust barometer, and they measure how much we trust our leaders, the information we're getting, our institutions. And uh, let me ask you, what do you think? Do you think the trust barometer for our, our leaders, our institutions, and information in 2021 is high or low? Low, low yes. They found that um, trust in 2021 was at an all-time low. As Rick Harrison says in uh, the reality show Pawn Stars, it's not that I don't trust you, I just don't trust anyone. <laughs> and uh, and it, life can feel that way sometimes. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you have to trust somebody? I found myself in that situation uh, many times, actually, but I was thinking years ago. Uh, I woke up one morning to an extreme form of dizziness called labyrinthitis. And uh, it, was, it was terrible. I couldn't stand up without falling over. I couldn't walk straight. Uh, it felt like I was on a carousel. And the world around me was just spinning around and around and around. And that went on. And it went on and it went on. Uh, you know, for weeks, my wife was caring for me. My mom came over to care for me. And, and I'm a grown man. You know, like, it's a hard place to be when you have to trust people. And, and you know, initially the, uh, the doctors gave me some steroids. So I was all hopped up on steroids. And eventually that helped out. Uh, at a, about a month later, my wife finally decides that I'm okay. She's going to take me out of the house for the very first time. We go to Walmart, of all places. Nice field trip to, to Walmart. And as I'm walking into the restroom, I hear a woman say, Sir, you don't want to go in there. That's the woman's restroom. And I could have been like, I got this, I don't need you. And I could have walked right into a room full of screaming women. <laughs> or I could have said, you know what, you're right. I'm not seeing very straight today. So thank you, I trust you. It was a lesson in trust. And life is full of these lessons in trust. I, I, I used to think that the opposite of trust is doubt. And as I've gone through life, I, I now realize that the opposite of trust isn't doubt, but self-reliance. And we have a choice to make as we go through life. Will we rely on our self, or will we trust God and others? Life is full of lessons in trust. When it comes to our, our finances and how we spend our money, when I look at my finances, does it look like I am self-reliant or does it look like I am depending on the Lord? Or maybe you're here today and you're waiting for something. You're, you're waiting to get that job or you are, uh, you're pursuing the, the dream you have for your life or you're waiting for that special person to come into your life or maybe you're a young person and you're trying to figure out you know, what, what sort of uh, after-school activity you're going to be a part of. In our waiting, does it look like we're restlessly depending upon ourselves or can we rest in the Lord because we're trusting in Him? Or maybe today you're in a battle. 
there's uh, financial worries or a health crisis or, or it's the pain of a broken relationship. These are fresh opportunities to turn our trust to the Lord. Why does this matter? Because he's God. Because he loves us. Because there is a wisdom, there is a strength, and there is a victory that we can have in the Lord that we'll never experience trusting in ourselves. We're in a message series here at Hope on the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah encourages us to trust the Lord. Uh, he, he points us to the God we can trust. Just to catch you up this morning with where we're at, um, if you could summarize the message of Isaiah in one verse, and I want to keep bringing us back here, it's Isaiah 12 too, which says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. That's it right there. That's the message of Isaiah. God is your salvation. You can trust Him and not be afraid. We're in a section of the book of Isaiah from chapters 7 to 39. Isaiah is 66 chapters, just like the Bible has 66 books. The Old Testament has 39 books. The New Testament has 27. Isn't it amazing? Isaiah breaks down that way. Um, we're coming to the end of that first section. We'll take a break for Advent and we'll pick up the next 27 chapters next year, just so you know where we're going. But we are in a section of Isaiah right now between chapters 7 and chapters 39. It's a section of the book of Isaiah that an Isaiah scholar named John Oswald calls uh, lessons in trust. So we've been getting these lessons in trust. And this section, section has two great bookends. The first bookend comes in Isaiah chapters 7 through 9. It's the story of King Ahaz. And if you remember when Steve taught, King Ahaz puts his fear over his faith. He doesn't trust the Lord. And then in chapter 39, chapters 36 through 39, which we're going to get to next week, we have the story of King Hezekiah. And he's learned the lessons of trust. He trusts the Lord. He puts his faith over his fear. So isn't that interesting how Isaiah is bringing us into this trust in the Lord? I guess the question is, what were, what were the conditions in Isaiah's day that created such a crisis of trust? And if you've been following along with us, you've probably heard about Assyria and the Assyrian Empire, but I just want you to see what's going on. Let's put the map up on the screen. We've called this a lesson in trust, and you can see why. This map uh, is titled Assyri The Assyrian Empire in Isaiah's Time. And this map shows us the expansion of the Assyrian Empire during Isaiah's lifetime. Pretty crazy. What can change in our lifetime? Think back of your own lifetime. So this is Isaiah's lifetime here. And it begins in 745 B.C. with a ruthless and uh, aggressive king that comes to the throne named Tiglath-Pileser III. If you have trouble saying that, we can just call him TP3. Some of you football fans, you know RG3, right? This is TP3. Tiglath-Pileser comes to the throne in 745 B.C. 
Isaiah receives his call to ministry in 740 BC in the year King Uzziah died. What was the world like when Isaiah first started his ministry? That's the purple area. That's Assyria at the beginning of Isaiah's ministry. But that's going to change. Tiglath-Pileser III begins working on a professional army. It was really the first of its kind. And these troops were trained and well-trained. He improved their weapons from bronze to iron. All the, all the soldiers turned in their sandals. Could you imagine fighting in sandals? They said, we're not going to do that anymore. And they turned in their sandals for the first ever military boot. It allowed them to fight anytime, anywhere. And through, uh, through Tiglath-Pileser's development of this army, they had the world's greatest fighting force up to that time in history. And with this army, Tiglath-Pileser begins conquering and expanding the power of Assyria, and that's represented by the green. Isn't that pretty crazy? So you can imagine how terrifying it would be for Isaiah in the city of Jerusalem. Can you guys see that? Kind of right there in the brown. You can imagine how terrifying that would be as the armies of Assyria get closer and closer and closer. And when we get to Isaiah chapter 29, they're knocking at the door. They're here. And so Isaiah and all the people are asking, what are we going to do? Who are we going to trust? How are we going to get through this situation? And as we look at this story today, it's going to be for us a lesson in trust. Because we all have a choice to make. We can choose to rely on ourselves, or we can choose to trust in the Lord. It's a choice we're facing today. Whether it's in in a, a moment of waiting, or if there's a decision you're making, or if you're going through a difficulty, there's a choice to be made. Do I rely on myself, or do I trust in the Lord? So I want us to hear Isaiah's message of encouragement Hear the word of the Lord in Isaiah 30, verse 15. I love this verse. This is a, a, a verse to memorize right here. Isaiah 30, 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Don't miss the power of trusting the Lord. What does he say? In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Will we trust the Lord? It's the question we're asking today. So let's pray and we'll dive in. God, thanks for this amazing morning. Thanks for an amazing Uh, church that we get to be a part of, and thank you that you've given us your word so we can find encouragement and wisdom. Thank you for Jesus who has saved us and rescued us. And I pray today that you would help us as we battle in our own hearts self-reliance. I know I do. And would you teach us how to trust in you? In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so today is about a choice. Do we choose self-reliance, self-dependence, independence from God? Feels good, right? Self-reliant. I feel strong. I feel empowered. We can make that choice. We can choose to rely on ourselves. But when we make that choice of self-reliance, is it possible that we have missed something? That's what we want to look at. So as we get into this story, um, I actually I want to go back even a chapter earlier to chapter 29. If you're, you're with me in your scripture, um, we're going to see the woe of relying on self. So here's Isaiah 29, 15. What I'm calling the woe of relying on self. This is what God says in Isaiah 29, 15. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? So what's Isaiah's concern here? Isaiah is concerned about people making plans without consulting the Lord. And the, the word for plans here in Hebrew means, uh, it means counsel or advice, but it especially has this idea of political counsel or political advice. And kings in those days, just like our leaders in our day, have trusted political advisors. And you can imagine these political advisors, they are, it says, they're in darkness, right? Where are these plans being made? Right? In some darkness, in some top secret location. They're making their plans. And who are they hiding these plans from? They're hiding them from the Lord. What are these plans that they're making in secret? Jump ahead with me. To Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1. And it, it picks up the idea of plans here, so you'll see that link. Isaiah 31. This is what God says. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord. To those who carry out, here it is, plans that are not mine. What are these plans? Here it is. Forming an alliance, but not by my spirit. Heaping sin upon sin who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. So now we see it. We see what the plans are. They're planning on making an alliance with Egypt. So let's put that map back up on the screen. Um, you know, Assyria's defeated everyone else. There are not many options for God's people in the city of Jerusalem. And I can just imagine these political advisors in their dark room in the basement of the palace. And they're like, hey, guys, we are in trouble. We got to do something. Assyria is coming, and we can't stop them. And somebody says, oh, I have an idea. There's one nation left, one strong nation. What if we link arms with the Egyptians? Then maybe we've got a fighting chance. I, I think that sounds like a good idea. Right? I mean, that sounds like a pretty good idea. What else are you going to do? Who else are you going to turn to? Who else are you going to trust? And they're saying, we've got to link arms with Egypt. Otherwise, we don't stand a chance. But what's wrong with the plan? Let's put Isaiah 31 on. Yeah, what's, what's the problem with the plan? God says, 
It's not my plan. The plan there isn't the Lord's plan. Why don't they have the Lord's plan? Because they didn't ask. They never asked the Lord for direction. Is there anything wrong with making plans? No. I'm a planner, so I love making plans. Make plans all the time. We all make plans. That's a good thing. Could God ever use an alliance with Egypt to defend his people? Is that within God's sovereignty and his sovereign will? Yeah, certainly. Like, he can use those things, and he does use those things. The problem isn't making plans. The problem is making and carrying out plans that are not the Lord's. I think we've all been there, haven't we? We all know what that's like. It's not a good place to be, actually. <laughs> My own life, as I've experienced, I, I wish. I wish I could stand up here today and say, you know what? I've got a relationship with God. I would never make my own plans apart from the Lord. But I would be lying. Because I do this. And you know how I know? My prayer life. Prayer is such a... We talked about that trust barometer. Isn't prayer a barometer of our dependence on God? Isn't it amazing that we will never actually pray more than we depend on God? If there's one thing I know about my life and your life right now is that we only pray as much as we depend on God. And so our prayer life is really a barometer of our dependence on God, and it's also a barometer of our self-reliance. A day where I don't pray is a day where I'm relying on myself. And I even saw this last night. Angie and I were talking about some plans, you know, school plans next year. And I'm just reminded today of maybe an important question, and that is, have we prayed about it? And so I would just commend this question to you. As you think about making plans and you're thinking about the future, the question is, prayed about it. Have you asked the Lord? The truth of this passage is that God would have spoken if he was asked. He is a speaking God. Wisdom is available for us. God is our refuge and our help. He is our strong salvation. All we have to do is ask. They never asked. Have you prayed about it? God says, woe to those who make plans on their own. There is a great danger in life of living independently from God. Because in relying on ourselves, we've left God out of the equation. We've left God's wisdom out of the equation. We've left God's knowledge of the future out of the equation. We've left his purposes out of the equation. We didn't ask God. We didn't consult his word. We made a plan, but it wasn't from him. And that's, that's the direction we can go. We can, we can go down that path. Self-reliance, independence from God. Isn't that the original sin in the Garden of Eden? Hey, if you eat this fruit, it'll make you wise. You'll be like God. You won't need to depend on Him. It's a way we can go. We can choose to rely on ourselves, or we can choose to trust in the Lord. We can choose to trust the Lord. I love this verse from Isaiah 30, 15. We read it earlier. Great verse. Memorize it. 
This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. God wants us to know how to thrive in the battle. It might not be easy. We might have many fears. But you don't have to fight this battle alone. God is with you. And, and everything you need to fight that battle is in the Lord. He is our strength. He is our salvation. The Hebrew word for strength there, I love this. It means warrior strength. Everybody say warrior strength with me. Come on. Warrior strength. Yes. Got to get pumped up for that one. Warrior strength. He is our warrior strength. You think about, you know, these advisors in their dark room. Hey, guys, I have an idea. What if we could get some extra warrior strength from Egypt? And God is saying, you don't need to get warrior strength from Egypt because I am your warrior strength. It's not about alliance. It's about reliance. God is our strength. Isaiah 41.10, great verse. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen. I will strengthen you, God says. Do you need strength today? Here it is. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is our strength. God is our salvation. God rescues us. He is our Savior. He is our salvation. The idea of salvation has to do with victory. Victory. We can rest in the Lord today because God will win the victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. The victory is His. He is the Holy One of Israel. He will win the victory. Are you seeing it? Let me illustrate. There's a book. I love this book. It's called Do Hard Things. Do Hard Things. This is one of those hard things. Trusting the Lord. Battles we face. This is what they say. Uh, a study of horses, and, and maybe you've seen this driving through Lancaster. You see the horses teamed up, right? Pretty cool. A study of horses revealed that a single horse could pull an average of 2,500 pounds. The test was repeated with two horses. You'd expect the weight pulled to double to about 5,000 pounds. Not so. Two horses working together pulled 12,000 pounds. 500 pounds. That's five times the amount one could pull alone. Wow, that's crazy. Two horses are better than one. And I think in life we feel, you know, independent. We feel self-empowered. And yet the truth is that there's so much more for us with God than all alone. And that's why Jesus came. He came to he came to reconnect self-reliant sinners with a holy and awesome God. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins to be our salvation so we can have a brand new life with God that lasts forever. That's why Jesus came. And the secret of living in this relationship with God is the word trust. It's not about earning. It's not about working or striving or deserving. 
For us today, what is going to connect us with the God who loves us is this little word called trust. Are we trusting in him? What does trust look like? We can choose to trust the Lord. What does it look like? God counsels us with four simple words. So amazing. Repentance, rest, quietness, trust. Isaiah 30, 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. There are four key terms here um, that are very interrelated. But each one of these terms moves us from that place of self-reliance to deeper dependence upon the Lord. Repentance and rest, quietness and trust. This is where strength is found. This is where hope is found. This is where salvation is found. Let's look at each of those four words. Number one, repentance. The Hebrew word repentance means to turn back. It's saying we need to turn from what we were doing wrong. With all of our sin and our independence from God and and, and turning the wrong direction and actually to turn to God. It's, repentance is this idea of a 180-degree turn. I, I see that I've been going in a direction of self-reliance, and I'm turning back to the Lord. It, isn't it true that in any change that takes place in our life, it has to start with repentance? It has to start with recognizing and acknowledging our sin and recognizing that we need to turn to the Lord. That's what repentance is all about starts with repentance. Repentance in the next word is rest. The Hebrew word rest has the idea of down, a descent. I'm quieting down from all of the hustling, from all of this busy fretting and all of the internal worrying and all of the striving. And I'm going to quiet down today, and I'm going to rest in the Lord. How do we rest in the Lord? I think the secret is in who God is. He says, I am the sovereign God. This is what the sovereign Lord says. He's sovereign. He reigns. And so I want you to know today, you can rest in him. We can rest in who God is. The battle belongs to the Lord. Repentance and rest The third word is quietness. How rare is quietness? Pretty rare, right? Not only is physical quietness rare, but that internal quietness might be even more rare. And God is inviting us to quiet our hearts. Be still and know that I am Lord. What God says in his word. Be still, know that I'm the Lord. Isn't it interesting that in quietness is where we hear the voice of the Lord? Quietness is where God's peace fills our heart. He's taking us from self-reliance 
to greater trust and dependence on the, war, on the Lord. Repentance, rest, quietness, last one is the word trust. The Bible talks a lot about trust, trusting the Lord. Interestingly enough, uh, this, the word here for trust only occurs one time in the Hebrew Bible. It's a, it's a very unique word. And get this, it has the sense of feeling secure and being unconcerned. And I can just imagine the relevance of that as they saw that battle getting closer and closer and they felt the fear rising up in their heart as we do. And God's saying, if you'll come down of repentance and rest, quietness and trust, there is a sense of, I'm secure. You know, I, there's nothing more I need to do. I'm trusting in him. He's got this. I'm going to be okay. I'm waiting on him to bring the victory. This is what the sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel, in repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. What a beautiful opportunity before us today. We, we have a choice to make. Are we going to choose self-reliance? Are we going to choose to trust in the Lord? John Ortberg tells a story as we wrap up today. It's a great story. A few weeks ago, when I was out surfing, there was no one else in the water except for a huge guy practicing martial arts on the beach. I'm just thinking of this hunk, like, you know, like doing his ninja moves. After I'd been out a little while, a tiny wisp of a kid came paddling up out of nowhere. I couldn't believe he was out there all by himself. He pulled his little board right up next to mine. He was so small, he hardly needed a board. He could have stood up in the ocean on a Frisbee. <laughs> he told me his name was Shane. He asked me how long I'd been surfing. I asked him how long he'd been surfing. <laughs> Seven years, he said. How old are you? Eight. <laughs> Shane said, what I like about surfing is that it's so peaceful. You meet a lot of nice people out here. We talked a while longer than I asked him, how'd you get here, Shane? Well, my dad brought me, he said. And then he turned around and waved at the nearly empty beach. The Goliath doing martial arts waved back. Hey, son. He called out. Then I knew why Shane was so at home in the ocean. It wasn't his size. It wasn't his skill. It was who was sitting on the beach. His father was always watching, and his father was very big. Shane wasn't really alone at all, and neither are we. You're not alone today in the decisions you're making. You're not alone in the waiting. You have a God who loves you. And he's just waiting for you to come to him and to trust in him. He's your strength. He's your victory. He's your salvation. I want to invite you as we close for you to have a moment of stillness before the Lord. We don't get these moments very often. So I invite you as we close to still your heart before the Lord. And then as I, after I pray, I'm going to give you a moment to do exactly what we talked about. To prayerfully move in those spaces of 
repentance and rest, quietness and trust. Come to your heavenly Father who loves you. He is big enough and he is strong enough for you today. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a mighty, mighty God. There's nothing that we face that's not too big for you. Your wisdom is beyond our wisdom. You know all things. You see the future. And I just want to ask and acknowledge today that many times I don't seek that wisdom. Many times I don't bring it to you in prayer. And so I just pray, God, that you would forgive me for making plans that are my own. And we ask you today, in the stillness of our hearts, to speak so clearly. Sometimes it's not about what we have to say to you, but what you have to say to us. So God, would you quiet our hearts in this moment? Would you help us to be still and to know that you are the Lord? And would you lead us in strength and victory down the path that you've laid out for us, keeping us close to you, keeping us trusting in you, because we desperately need your presence and your grace today. In Jesus' name. Amen.